I want to thank all you guys for coming. I am very excited about this weekend and what I believe God is going to do for all of us. One thing I will say that God will not come into this place unless we invite him in here. And I know that we can get very used to just sitting and expecting God to drop down on us, but that's not the way he works. We have to go run after him. It is time for us to chase him and to say, God, meet us here, not just sit and say, Jesus, you got to drop down because I can't. It is time for us to, if we're really thirsty, if we really want something different, if we really want to be touched and see the face of God like we've never seen him before, we're going to have to run after him. And that's what we've got to get uncomfortable because we want to stay comfortable. We don't want to get out of sorts. We want to stay in our seats with our legs crossed and be able to maybe throw up one little hand and act like God is going to honor that. And he's not really into that. He's about really tired of us acting like he's supposed to do all the work. And we just sit there and wait for him to do something. So this weekend is not about us sitting here just looking and expecting God to do something that we don't want to participate in. It is time for us to come, hands raised, hearts open, and looking for God. Because if you don't look for him, he's not going to come after you. He's done the chasing. It's time for us to chase him. So my aim for this weekend, our aim, I should say, for this weekend is that we are never the same again, that we get a glimpse of glory that we've never gotten before, and that we walk out of here a different person, that we no longer see God as fearful, or we see God as not a God that wants to bless our souls, who wants to be there for us, but that we see a God that is our friend, a God that is deeply and passionately in love with us, that we accept that kind of God, and we walk with him through this journey. So what I'm going to do this, my part, and then my husband is going to speak after. I'm just giving like an introduction. Um, hopefully my introduction doesn't seem to be too long, but it's mine. So um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But I'm going to start with the passage of scripture that is John 4, 6 through 15. Um, something we've all read before about the Samaritan woman. But this time I want us to look at it through Christ's eyes. So often we read that passage and we think about the Samaritan woman and we don't really see Jesus. So what I want you to do is see Jesus as we go through this. I'm going to read the 4 through 15 first and then I'm going to go through verse by verse and kind of dissect it just a little bit, okay? And I am actually reading from the Messenger Bible, so you guys may not have the same verbiage that I have. It just makes it a little bit more clear, because I like clarity. So I shall begin. It says, Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. This well is deep. So how are you going to give this living water? 
And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. I'm going to read verse 23, but I'm going to read that after I finish. So back to verse number 7. It says a woman, a Samaritan woman, came to draw water, and Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? Now remember that at this time, Jesus is just a man. He's the God-man, but she don't know nothing about that. He just looks like a man. And a, a man that is very tired, because remember, he stopped at the well while the disciples went on to get something to eat. He was thirsty. He was tired. He was worn out. Jesus, which we try to come in and act like we don't ever get worn out. Like we put on the face like we can take it all and life hasn't kicked us in the tail. So we come to church week in, week out, faking the funk, acting like everything is okay because we think that that means I'm saved. But if Jesus himself can be worn out from a day's journey, surely we can get worn out. Hmm. He was not looking how one would believe the Messiah would look. This threw her off. Well, this couldn't be the Messiah because he don't look nothing like a Jesus man. So how could God, God can often, excuse me, appear to us in a matter that doesn't look like how we imagine God to look? How many times have you missed the very presence of God because it didn't look the way you wanted it to look? How many times have we turned our nose to someone because we thought that they could not possibly be representing Christ? How often have we not partaken in the spirit because the place just didn't look like the church walls? Because we get the idea that God only comes to the church. He should be everywhere you go. How offended do you think God is that we don't even notice him when he's in the room? That we sit there and we act like it's just no big deal. It's just Jesus. God will often ask us for something that he knows only he can do just to see how we will respond. Will we go to him and surrender and say, I don't know. Let me give it to you. You do what you're going to do. You the man. Or do we pack it on our backs and carry it like we got all the answers? We want to move in our own strength, and we often don't pause to ask him for assistance. Can we discern the meaning in the questions that God asks, or do we only see what is tangible? She couldn't see past what he was really saying. She just saw, oh, you want some water. But God often asks us many questions just to see how we're going to respond. Or is it that you're so out of tune with the spirit, you don't even know when he's talking? We've gotten so deaf to the voice, the quiet, still voice of God, because we're too much commotion going on. God only talks when it's quiet. He's not going to yell and scream at you all the time. Go on to verse um, 9. The Samaritan, I think that should be verse 8, actually. The Samaritan woman taken aback asked, How come you a Jew are asking me 
a Samaritan woman for a drink. Instead of us just accepting that he wants something from us, and he thinks we have something to offer him, we scrutinize the experience. He's coming just saying, pour out your heart to me. I want you. But we start scrutinizing, no way he wants me. Look at me. Although we're supposed to be saved, we still don't get that. We act like it's nothing. We're just somehow happy that we possibly aren't going to hell. And that's as far as we've taken it. We're asking God, are you sure you're talking to me? Why do you want to talk to me? I mean, why do you want to have communication with me? Just do your thing. We don't need to chat. I don't want no relationship with you. I just want you to do what you do, and I want to sit back and reap the benefits. Shocked like the Samaritan woman, we cannot figure out why God wants us and why he is talking to us. We think that he saved us out of pity, not because he wants and needs us to show his face to the world. He needs us. He wants us. He wants us more than we want him. He wants us in heaven far more than we even want to go to heaven. Yet we have to figure out why is that so hard to grasp? Why can't your faith be extended to that? And though most of us have the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, we are still unsure why he has chosen to dwell in us. Because if we believe the scripture, he says that once he's in us, he can't leave us. Though half of us don't believe that. Because we act like the Lord done left us many times. And then we act as if, if we backslide, he left us too. But instead, we took, us, took him with us. Because he can't leave. Unless he's a liar. So every time you think he's gone, that means you're saying, God, you're a liar. Though that sounds harsh, though that's nothing any of us would verbalize out loud. That is the trueness of what we do. He can't leave. And we can't figure out why he wants to stay. Because we know we ain't lived up to the part. We know we done slipped and fell and tumbled and rolled and all that other stuff and sin. So we keep wanting to believe he's going to leave. Because somehow that will appease us. That will prove to us that we really are nothing. I, they were right all along. I don't deserve God. I don't know why he loves me. I don't know why he cares. And we love to get up there and act like that's humbleness. It's not. It's false. It's that you don't want to accept the fact that he is in love with you. Deeply, passionately, extremely in love with you. No matter what. You can't stop him from loving you. Crazy. No matter what you do, you can't stop him from loving you. If you foul up, as we all have, if we keep met, you can't stop him because that is who he is. His is just love. And that's the hardest part for us to grasp. And it's a part of us, we actually don't even want to be loved by him. Because that makes me feel bad that somebody that almighty loves me. He said that he, again, will never leave us nor forsake us. Again, why would Christ Almighty 
want to be tied to us. Why? See, we have to answer that individually because our walk with him is going to be very individual. It's not a cookie-cutter walk. Your Holy Ghost looks very different from my Holy Ghost. How I exhibit the Holy Ghost is very different from how you're going to exhibit it. Yet we come and act like we're all supposed to look and act the same. We act as if Jesus is not multidimensional. Like he don't have many faces and feel many different roles and, and, and priorities and all this other stuff. We act like he's just the, the Jesus that sits in the pew Sunday in, Sunday out. That we can buck and run and jump and, and think that, ooh, Jesus is so happy with me. Ooh, I met him today. At halftime, we're running out of falsity. In our minds, it's like you're nuts. I'm unclean and don't associate me. That's the same way the Samaritans feel. Why are you talking to me? And we saying the same thing. Why me? You know, in the beginning, we oblige because we like happy that we're not going to hell. And then after that, it's like, really? You're staying? I keep feeling you. You keep wanting me. But I'm unclean. I'm no good. I don't deserve you. Yet we can't accept the fact that he says, I want you. Deserve or not, it's you I want. There's something in you that no one else has. And I need you to show that to the world. I need that face of me to show to the world. And we keep hiding our light under a bushel. He says that even though our sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. But we can't accept that. We still holding on to the sin. Remember when? Like we got to remind him of what sin we've done. Once again, Christ is hurt by the fact that we cannot accept his amazing invitation. I want you guys to see him as wounded. We often see him as mad as angry, ready to send us to hell. But we never see him as wounded, as like hurt. He's hurt that we don't want him. He is hurt. He's not mad. He is standing there saying, I have so much to offer to you. Why won't you just take it? In tears, wounded, just like when you get rejected. That same pain is what he feels. When your friends turned their back on you and chose somebody else, that same pain, that's what he's feeling. Get over the angry God and get to the compassionate, loving God. Verse 10, Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. This is like Jesus saying, you're shocked that I'm asking you? If you knew who I was, you would be coming to ask me. The problem is we don't even know who he is. We don't know. As saved people supposedly in the kingdom, we don't know who he is. Remember, Christ sought us. He invited us into his kingdom. If we could grasp who invited us, we would be begging him to never let us go. Instead of fighting who he is and not trusting and believing in him. 
because quiet as is kept, we all struggle with the trust thing with Jesus. We all struggle with, should I believe him? Is the words really true that's printed in, those, in the good old book? It is a struggle that almost every Christian has, but nobody is bold enough to come out and say, I don't trust them. I don't believe the book. Because if you don't believe one portion, that works for the whole thing. But God forbid we ever acknowledge that. God forbid we ever stand up and tell Jesus himself, Lord, I don't believe you. But the only way you're going to ever get into contact with him and let him show you how believable he is is for you to confess the fact that you don't believe him. For you to confess the fact that these scriptures sometimes don't make ounce of sense to me. Can you show me how that makes some sense? Because there's some scriptures in there you can tussle with. You're like, really? All things work together for my good? Shut up. <laughs> when you're in the middle of the storm, you ain't feeling that all this is working together for your good. You can quote it. You can stand up and testify about it. But the deepest part of your heart, Jesus knows about. So we need to stop lying and just say the truth. For the truth shall set us free. Yet we believe the truth is going to make God hate us. Those who have a right knowledge of Christ will seek him. And if we do not seek after him, then that is our sign that we do not know him. If we're not seeking after him, just Jesus, not religiosity, not your long skirts and your fancy hats, but Jesus himself, if you're not running after him, then you means you don't know him. So confess that. Don't know you. We are content with business as usual. We're fine with it. We really are fine just coming to church on Sunday morning. Occasional or me, you know, occasional Sunday night. Every once in a while on the good Wednesday. And do our clap. Sunday night, get a little rap, you know, a little jog. And, uh... Maybe feel a quick, and then at least we try to make sure we feel something. If everybody else is running, we feel pretty bad if we're just sitting in the seat. So we will fake something just to say, I'm with you guys. And we are content with that. We are content with faking about the most precious thing that is in our life. The very thing that will change our eternity. Heaven or hell is at stake. And we care about what you think? If you think I'm saved? Heaven or hell, and it's not about just you stopping the regular old sins. We are missing God. He is offended that we think it's about behavioral changes. And it's not about an intimate, personal, deep relationship with him. That's why he went to the cross. He ain't impressed with y'all just stop having sex and stop drinking. He's not impressed. Yet we just a gloating. Oh, I ain't sinned in two weeks. Well, hopefully it's longer than that. But, um, <laughs> well, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I haven't drank in 10 years. Look how saved I am. 
And Jesus is like, really? But you don't even know me. How many of you guys have been saved more than five years up in here? Look at that. Every single person here has been saved more than five years. And we could probably go up to the 20s. Yet, can we truly say we know God? No one. Just honesty. Once we know him, we stop questioning who he is and what he is capable of. When we are operating from fear and doubt, that is our sign that we just had a belief, but not a knowing. We don't want to just believe in Jesus. We don't want to just say, oh, we know he's up there, and Jesus is God, and he's just the one God, and we got the baptism, and we got the speaking, and that's like all we got. We believe he'll come through at some point in time, and we truly believe he'll come through for somebody else. Don't know about for me, but he'll come through for somebody. So he's a good God in some ways. Yet I feel cheated by him. But Lord forbid we say that out loud. Although we have had experiences with Jesus, we have not allowed the experiences to be translated into a deep knowing. He is not at home in our hearts. He's just sitting on the porch. We ain't quite opened the door and said, come on in, Jesus. I'll take you into every deep part of my heart. The very things that I will not show anyone else, I will let you in there. The very things I would never want to even admit to myself about who I am, I'm going to let you walk in there. See, that's intimacy. That's a deep knowing. Because you know that thing, God loves you with your little sorry self. And we don't really believe it. We believe his love is very conditional. He loves me if I get my act together. He loves me if I stop doing X, Y, and Z. I cannot trust the fact that he loves me just because he is love. Because that's just a little too outlandish. My mind can't wrap around it, so it can't be true. As if we're so smart. Christ said, if you ask, I will give you this living water. Why are we so afraid to ask God for what he said he will give us? He wants to give it to us. All we got to do is say, please. Yet we sitting here scared in the corner. Lives torn apart, looking a mess, because we won't ask. And we're so excited that we finally got saved. Oh, well, I asked in the beginning. I asked the Lord to save me. I remember when I spoke. Well, the asking can't stop there. It has to continue throughout your entire journey. Remember that when he speaks of anything, it's for eternity. It doesn't just happen right there at that moment and then, oh, well, there's the end of salvation. That was the very beginning. You just got an introduction to what he could do. And we're appeased by the introduction. Just the hi, how you doing? He would like to get to know you. He would like you to get to know him. He's pretty fabulous. And the crazy thing is he thinks you're pretty fabulous too. Because he chose you. Out of all the millions of people in this world, he chose you. Why? Because he thought you were fabulous. He thought that you had something to give him. He said, I could use them to show me. Because no one can do it the way they would do it. And yet we hold back our talents. 
We hold back our mightiness and our greatness, and we think that God is impressed when we have low self-esteem and I'm just so humble. Cut that mess out. For remember that God was the most humble man that ever existed. Did you ever once hear him shrink back on his mightiness? Did you ever once say, well, I'm just God. Well, I know I can maybe heal you. Come on, let's try. No, he was like, bring it on. He was like, you don't, I don't even have to touch you. Go tell them it's done. Remember the boy that was sick? I can't tell you all chapter in the verse and stuff. But that little boy that was sick, and they said, you got to come. Um, and he said, he didn't have time. I got other things I got to do. Go and tell him it's done. That's how great he is. Yet we keep shortchanging the Jesus. Why? Why do we want him to be small? Why? Because we're small? So he needs to fit into our little bodies? See, if you would let him just explode, you will see that you will explode. Stop being scared to shine. Shine. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not just about speaking in tongues. But we've made it just a tongue-talking kind of thing. It was the sign, y'all, that he came into the building. Can you let it be more than that? Stop being so excited that you get to speak and you ain't doing nothing else with the Spirit. It is the very Spirit that will lead us into truth. Truth. If you have the spirit, why have you not found your personal truth with Jesus? Why are you waiting for everybody to tell you what your truth is with Jesus? Why everybody got to give you an amen? God speaks to you and you, sister. You think that he told me, but you sh- can you confirm it with me? What's that word we use all the time? The confirmation thing. The confirmation. I mean, Jesus spoke. Do I know his voice? Now, don't get crazy and stupid and start doing stupid stuff, saying it was Jesus. But I'm saying, because when Jesus talks, it's never stupid. It's never outlandish. And it never is affecting other folks. Most of the time, he's talking about you. He don't really have a whole, because he can just go talk to each person individually. Every once in a while, he'll have a word that I could give you. But most of the time, we ain't even got our relationship right with him. Why are you talking to us about other people? Amen. Now, we like the outer shore of the Spirit, but we refuse to let the Spirit lead us. Because remember, we have to let. He said, let man be a light, but let God be true. When are you going to let him be the truth? When are you going to let it happen? He's already it. But again, he's not going to push us. He ain't going to force the door open. He's just saying, will you let me do it? And we keep saying, no, don't trust you can do it. Let me pick up my bags and do it myself because I've really been doing this a long time with me. And I didn't figure me out. We've been here before. Let me just walk ourselves right back out of here. Jesus, you sit there. I'll come back and get you when it's all together. Because we act like we got to be together for Jesus to walk with us. Though he said he's everywhere, he said if he went to the depths of hell, he was there. In the glories of heaven, he was there. And we act like we, he ain't all in between. He's there. Trust, he's there. We are afraid that the spirit doesn't really have good directions to heaven. Although he came from heaven, and we all know how to get back home. Why do why Jesus don't know how to get back home? 
cross. He's just going back to where he came. Why can't we trust that? Verse 11. The woman says, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. This well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Can you hear the disbelief in this woman's voice? Now hear yourself. When you read his promises, and we come to God with that same disbelief. Well, Jesus, you said you could work it out. Now how are you going to work it out? Show me. Where's your bucket? And if he don't show us the bucket, we like, I can't believe you. <coughs> See the tears falling because we will not embrace him. See the face of Christ and his sadness because we don't believe him. Remember, he is there, present, standing in front of each and every one of us. And we keep saying, no, step back. <coughs> Christ, many of us, will not trust Christ further than what we can see him. And we will not believe his promises unless the means are visible and tangible. We do not understand how big God really is. We act like he's tied to our methods. As if he couldn't make that water just jump out the well if he said, water, come. It's the same for our lives. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants by whatever means he wants to use. Yet we feel like he has to be tied to us. Well, this is how I would do it, so Jesus worked through that method so I'm comfortable. And could not God, could not God do what he said he could do? Could he not do what he said he could do? He is God. He's big, amazing, can do anything. We must grasp that. Grasp that God. Stop grasping the little God. The springs of living water with Christ has for us come to us in a secret and an undiscovered way. We want God to be open, and he wants to have a few secrets with us. We want him, we, he wants us, excuse me, to trust him on the things that have yet been discovered. See, that's where the intimacy and the relationship comes from. When you have an intimate relationship with somebody, you got secrets. You got secrets that you wouldn't share with nobody else, no matter how close they are to you. He would like a few secrets, and we want him to paint it on the church wall Every time. The same with our language. We just be exposing that? Like it's supposed to just be all out for everybody to see? It's your private, personal relationship with God talk. It ain't, I mean, you're not saying you can't speak in tongues in an open setting, but we just be acting like, just look, I can speak. Oh, that's your intimate time with Jesus. Why are you exposing all that? Can anything be private with y'all? Or does everything have to be acknowledged by all the good Christian folks so they can see how saved you are? Ask yourself the next time you get to bucking and running. Is it really because you felt Jesus and he moved you? Or is that you just moving yourself? Just stop in Paul's field just a moment. 
you may be shouting. You may just sit down and start crying, saying, Lord, I've been faking all this time. Lord, forgive me. This is why we must seek his face. The fountain of life is hid with Christ. So if we're not seeking his face, how are we going to find the fountain? Remember, it's endless, gushing. So it's not supposed to be this little thing. You know, if you see a geyser, it's all over the place. I mean, really, is our spirit really like that? Is it really a geyser? Is it just shooting up all over the place and just filling up the, the whole atmosphere? It's not. Because if it was, it would be very hard for us to sit service in, service out, service in, service out, and not feel and see the face of God. We would not be content just sitting there not doing anything. I would have to participate in the presence. The fact that I can just sit there and sit for two, three hours and maybe stand up there once in a while. Maybe a little. That means you ain't seeing the face of God. We have to bring that. Imagine what service would be if we entered the place already on fire. Instead of waiting, saying, Lord, let's see what's going to happen. If we shook the place to where the order of service couldn't, no matter how much they wanted it to be the order of service, it would just be like, oh, please, whoever's trying to get you to sit down, the Lord would shut them up. Hush, I'm doing my thing. When does his thing get to be done? Why is it always us on show, on parade? Why isn't he the main attraction? And why are we content with him not being the main attraction? That's us. Because we got enough power to transform the very atmosphere. I mean, do we know who Jesus is? See, we say the name, but we don't believe the name. Because if I believe that the demons tremble when I just speak the name, then how could the atmosphere stay the same? How do we come in and we just singing Jesus songs? We're praying in Jesus' name. We're supposed to be reading the Jesus scriptures. And the atmosphere just is dull. Because I don't believe the very thing that is coming out of my mouth. And God does not honor disbelief. So we can buck and run in scripture and all that stuff and quote, quote, quote. He's not honoring it. Have you not noticed how vacant you are? Have you not noticed that it's not quickening and moving and shaking you? Or maybe you're content with that. Christ has enough to supply all our needs, even though we cannot see it. Remember, he said, you search the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. And that's usually when we stop with that scripture. Yet you will not come to me so that I can give you eternal life. You're just a reading and a quoting and just a studying, but you won't just come to me. So how can I give you something that you won't even come and ask for? Come to him. 13, and I'm almost finished. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. So often we only see a cup, 
not an endless well. This is why we get so anxious and fearful, because we see the spirit, which is Jesus, as a band-aid. Let me just get a quick fix on Sunday. Let me just pray long enough that I can feel something. I can maybe speak in tongues and that I'm good. He gonna do it then. I spoke. Remember Jesus, I prayed for five, ten minutes. And then we get lofty and then we, we say we get up at five and we got the prayer time and I'll read two or three times a week. Give a fast. Oh Jesus, you should be impressed. I know I'm saved. He like, you don't even know me. You're just doing stuff. Sit down somewhere. Get to know me. He may not say that, but that's how I interpret him. <laughs> ah, we fail to see that he is endless. He can't end. Endless. The spirit in you is endless. It can't end. When we get dry, it is because we stop priming the well. But we act like it's because Jesus lied about the gushing, endless fountain. We blame him when we can't feel him and see him moving. It becomes his fault. Well, why didn't he come to service? Why didn't you bring him to service? Boy, I sure didn't feel nothing moving then. Well, why ain't you moving? I mean, because truly, you could have your own personal encounter with Jesus, no matter where you're at. If the place is stale, you should be able to get the Jesus moving in you. That's the gushing endless. It shouldn't be contingent on where you are. We blame him. We blame him. Yet we won't tell him we blame him. Stir up the gift, the strength, and the boldness that God placed in you when he put the Holy Ghost in you. Again, I want you to see Jesus' face as we refuse to accept what his spirit really is. Feel his pain as we keep rejecting his mightiness. Feel his hurt as he thinks about the time he spent on the cross to give you his spirit and we reject the fullness of the spirit. When he was on the cross, Remember, he had all of us in mind. So when he is up there beaten and bruised, in pain and in anguish, remember, he was a man. He was a man that was told up. He didn't want to go through what he went through. He begged God, can you let this pass? And then remember when he was there and he said, why have you forsaken me? I've done it all right for you, God. Why did you forsake me? And remember, he got forsaken for us. For us. So when he was up there and your name ran across his mind, your name ran across his mind. He was forsaken. I want you to personalize that. Stop acting like it was just, oh, he was on the cross, and we get so content with this little vision. When God forsook him, God, the very thing we're trying not to let happen to us, the fear of hell, he experienced it. 
so that when he sent out his spirit, it was in the form of your pain. It was in the form of the holes in your soul. That's how personalized the spirit is. So he saw you. He saw you. He saw you when your mama left you. He saw you when your daddy gave up on you. He saw when you got abused. He saw when you got let down. He saw when you keep saying, why aren't I enough for you guys? He felt every pain that you have felt. He felt it. Not just in an overall, but every single one of your issues. He felt in that period of time when his arms were stretched wide, you came across his mind. And he said, I know exactly what form the Holy Ghost has to be for them. Yet we say, God, it's not enough. That's not a miracle. That's not miraculous. Anybody can go on and do the speaking. All you got to do is get on the altar and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No. It's bigger than that. That was a mighty act he did. This is why he's telling this woman, if you knew who I am, oh, you would be asking for what I could give you. If you knew who I am, you would be begging me never to leave you. Not out of fear, but because you're so doggone good. Because what you've done for me is, oh my God, infinite, beyond anything anyone can do. But we have to admit, we're not that impressed with the Spirit. We're not that impressed that we got saved. It worked for the first year or so. Then we're like, this is it? Oh, really? Dang, thought I was gonna have a little bit more going on. Didn't know I was gonna go through all that. Thought Jesus was just gonna carry me through. The reason why he's not carrying half of us because we have let him go. We said stay. I'll do it. Remember the beatings. I got to push that. I want y'all to see the cross was everything. That's what got us here. When you start minimizing the cross, when you're able to think about the cross and not shed a tear, when you're able just to quote the cross story and not get a quickening and a move, that means you have minimized the cross. Go back and reconnect. Ask Jesus to carry you hand by hand, through what he went through. Say, show me how bad this was for you. Make these scriptures come to life for me, because I'm having a tough time seeing exactly what you went through. I can't quite feel you. Go on and tell them. See, I believe in telling Jesus everything. I believe telling him all the bad stuff, the stuff that ain't right, the disbelief, the discontent, the unhappiness, the Jesus, where are you? I believe in all that. Because once you're able to do that, then he can step into exactly where you are. As long as you say what Jesus knows, he's going to say, okay. When you're ready to come talk, I'll be here. By then, you just have to live with what Jesus knows. Fifteen. The last one, see? The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. Won't ever have to come back to this well again. Look at what she's saying. She says, give me the benefits, not for everlasting life, 
but so I can ease something right now. She didn't ask for everlasting life. She just said, give me the water so I don't got to come back here again. You know, I'm a Samaritan. It's hard coming to this well every so often, priming the pump. You just give me the water. That works. Then I don't have to be doing this stuff no more. Thank you, sir. That's how we are. Often the most broken we have been before Christ was when he saved us. It's like, let me repent and cry, and it's not now. Give me the spirit so I won't have to come back here again. He said, a broken and a contrite, a repentful spirit, I will not deny. Maybe we keep getting denied because we do not have a broken and a repentful spirit. Because he said he couldn't deny the other. So we ain't feeling he ain't around as us. Be broken. Broken. Don't know what I'm doing. Broken. Don't know what the next step is. Broken. I have fouled up my life. Broken. I keep trying to do it my way. Broken. I don't trust you. Don't believe and unsure that you love me. Broken. And then you repent for that. I remember Bishop Saunders preached, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yet we so saved, we can't say we don't believe. We just so holy and full of Jesus. Just being just as false. Maybe we hold on to what we did when we first received, and we think that it's supposed to carry us throughout the walk with God. What are your intentions for accepting Christ? Why did you accept them? What was your reasoning? Was it really to get an intimate relationship with him? Or was it just to escape hell? Or was it just to escape the mess your life was in at the time? But it wasn't because Jesus, I just want to know you. And I just think you're going to be so wonderful and be my friend. And woo woo. No, we just use them. Yet we're broken at the time and repentful at the time. He must honor his word. So there, you got the spirit. And you content on just that. Knowing your intentions weren't that great in the beginning. And most of us, most of us, said give us the water so we will not go to hell. We didn't embrace the salvation for the right reasons. Let's just say that. It got us in, thank the Lord, hallelujah. But let's take it further. Let's be a little tired of ourselves. Just a little tired of ourselves. Do you really want to grasp the might and the amazement of the Father? Or do you want the things? Why do you want to go to heaven? Really, ask yourself that. Why do you really want to go? Is it just to ease your pain on the earth from the earthly things? It ain't to have a communion and a relationship with him, because we don't want that here. We ain't excited to go and be just with Jesus for forever. We excited because there ain't no more pain, ain't no more suffering. I ain't got no more bills to do. Think about when you rejoice about heaven. Think about when you start throwing heaven around. Ooh, I'm going to get out of here. The, the rapture has just become, you know, my antidote to earth. I'm not excited that, oh, I'm going to see Jesus. Just see Jesus. Just see him. 
No one. What if he didn't add none of the other stuff? Would you be excited to go to his home just because he's there? Or do you need the benefits and the extras? Do you think Christ is offended that the only time we rejoice is because we want to get out of the horribleness of earth? Do you think he's a little offended? Just a tad bit. When we do not get to the place that heaven is to be desired, because that is where God lives, and you like to dwell in the same place of those you really love. That's where we're supposed to be going. So that we can just dwell with him in his majesty, in amazement. I mean, it's a byproduct, the great stuff that he's given us. But it was supposed to be that we desired him. Jesus got missed a long time ago in the salvation thing. We just left him out. Oh, he can handle it. He's Jesus. What an insult when all we want is the fishes and the loaves but no intimacy and no relationship. What an insult. I mean, it's very insulting. I really feel for the Jesus. Yet I used to be one of those. But I feel for him because he let me see his pain. He let me feel his sorrow that we don't want him. So that way I have to convey him He's sad, you guys. He's sad. Not mad and angry and ready to send you to hell. He's just sad that you don't want him, that you think he's not enough. Verse 23. I didn't read this one. It says, but the time is coming, and it has, in fact, come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It is who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit, Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their selves, and adoration. This is Christ speaking. This is the part we often don't read when we give the Samaritan story. We get caught up in the building. We get caught up in, ooh, we the apostolics. Like that's supposed to get an extra check mark with Jesus because you got apostolic on your church and on your bumper sticker or whatever else you got it at. And you get to throw away, I'm the apostolic, all the rest of y'all going to hell. Y'all don't know what them folks doing. You don't know. Just because they didn't feel the need to put that on their building, that means they're going to hell. But he said, it's not going to matter what you call yourself, but is your worship pure? But remember, you can't worship him unless you know him. That's why we don't know how to worship. That's why we sit there scared. When the spirit goes low and he wants us to bring him up, we sitting there like, oh, Lord, well, what you want me to do? Okay, hallelujah. Jesus? But we don't know how to go deep. We 
don't know how to pull all that stuff up out of us and give it to God. See, that's worship. We like the praise. We like to jump in and the shout and the, all that. We love that. I can do that all night. Watch me buck. Watch me run. Should we take a lot now? I mean, it's what we do. And he's saying, oh, that's why y'all can't worship. Because you don't know me. You don't even know what you got in you. Gone and run. <laughs> we are content just being able to say I went to church. How many Sundays you miss? Oh, you ain't been there. Oh, you going to hell. And I'm all for going to the church and going to the services. But why are you going? Are you changed for going? Did you see the face of God when you went? Or did you just sit there, cracked your Bible open, you gave a wave, and you went home the same person? Why are you the same? Why are we the same year in, year out? Why we got the same level of trust, the same level of faith, the same level of every doggone thing from almost the first year we got saved? Because we come as spectators wanting Jesus to do all the work and we don't want to do nothing. He's tired. Remember, he needs us to be ready when he comes. He desperately wants us in heaven. Desperately. So he's trying to say, wake up. Y'all, what you're doing ain't working. You may not make it. <coughs> Sitting there bucking and running. Remember the cowardly and the unbelieving, the first one hit the lake. Do you believe he's Jesus? The totality of Jesus. He ain't impressed because you didn't figure it out he's just one God. He's a whole lot of folks who figure that out. He ain't impressed because you excited that you know about Jesus' name baptism. More? Please. I'm bigger than that. Why you act like he is the totality of him is in Acts 2.38? He is in the volume of the book. The volume. Y'all done made him be in one book. He done walked all up and down Genesis to Revelation. Stop acting like you know him. And get to know him. Because he'll show his face. He'll show you who he is. He really wants it. He wants us to be changed, though. Changed. Not just the stop of the sentence, but changed. Remember, he cares about the inner man. He said, clean out that inner man first. Clean out that little dirty cup in the inside. Y'all worried all about the outer stuff. Ain't nobody cleaning out the, the, the smut that's in the heart. The nastiness of the spirit. The unbelief, the lack of trust. He wants that cleaned. Because we're not pleasing him. Because remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Really, how big is your faith? That's how big you're pleasing him. You got that much faith, that's how much pleasure he's getting out of you. Increase it, it grows. Work on that. Push that. Our worship should touch the presence of God and show us his glory. Touch him. Touch God. You can touch him. You should feel him embracing you when you worship. You should be able to pick up and read a scripture. Stop trying to read the whole book in a year. You can't even get one scripture right, and you concentrate on how many scriptures you've read in a week. 
If you need to concentrate on one for a month until you get that understanding, just stay there and say, Jesus, I don't know it yet. Okay, I'm a little dumb, Lord, work with me. I didn't get it, Jesus. Come one more time, can we go over these few little words? And it's a short sentence, and I just can't quite get it. That's how kind he is. See, I asked him, you're going to have to show me you. Or otherwise, this ain't going to work for me. A lot of y'all done heard my, my, as a testimony now, ain't that amazing? A testimony about after my mother died. And it was like, either you're going to show up, or I'm going to have to just let you go. Because, see, I was angry and mad and pissed off, and I let him know all of that. Over and over again. He probably got tired of me. He did finally and told me to shut up. And I did shut up at that time because I figured, hey, I crossed my limits and I still like you, Jesus. I just got a little angry with you. Forgive me. But at that moment, I said, you're going to have to do something that I've never seen before. Mind you, been in this all my life. I figure I just really got saved about five years ago. So I'm excited because I'm like, oh, this is Jesus? Oh, why didn't nobody tell me he was this good? Why did I get conveyed about how much he is in love with me? Just for being me. Because he thinks I'm pretty grand. Because I have something to give to others about him. We all do. I have this face of God. When was the last time somebody saw you and spoke to you and they felt like God? That they walked by and felt his presence because you just got through touching him just the other day. When did the aroma of a God walk behind you and affect the room? I mean, we can't even get the house affected. And we just are praying and a snotting at home and we can't even get the spirit to reside there. There's a fussing and a fighting. We live alone and we mad at ourselves. I mean, we just can't get it Where's Jesus? You know, it's not about the things we want it to be about. It's not about that. You guys got to be ready to be changed. Like, I hope that you guys walk out of here and you're never the same again. That you say, I saw Jesus in a way I ain't never seen that man. Wow. You can feel that? He's that powerful? His presence can take me there? See, I don't want you guys to be content just sitting where you are. Do whatever you got to do to meet him. If you got to get up and get to the corner, if you got to go just sit by yourself, if you want to pull your chair away from do what you want to do. But promise yourself that you won't be the same. Promise God that this time I'm coming abandoning all. I will pour out everything, all my dirtiness, all my disbelief, all my where the heck are you. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm going to have that much faith to believe you're going to meet me here. That's what I want for you guys. Because if we can do that one-on-one, imagine the fire that will be in this place. Imagine how God will begin to speak to each and every one of you how you'll be able to touch one another and begin to feel one another. That God will give you a discernment about somebody else and just the touch of you. 
Not a word, but just the touch of you will change somebody's life. That's how big he is. That's how big he is in us. Remember, he's in us. Not a little bit of him, but all of him is in all of us. That's huge. Stop settling. And I just want to say, Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Because we have wounded you by not coming to you and not believing in you. Forgive us. We're so quick to ask forgiveness for lying and cussing and drinking. Forgive us for not believing in who you are. Forgive us for making tears to roll down your face because I don't have faith in you. Heartfelt, forgive me. See him standing at the door, his arms stretched and wanting so deeply for us to take his hand. And we constantly close the door on him. See him standing in front of you and you slamming the door on him. That's what we've been doing. Year in, year out, slamming the door in his face. God, we are slamming the door on his face. You can't be okay with that. You got to be mad at yourself for not accepting him. Be displeased that you ain't got him like this. This is not the time to get arrogant. Sorry if I rub you the wrong way, but I've just got to speak what the truth is. We're not desiring him because we don't know him, because we don't recognize his greatness. We do this rejecting by choosing our worldly ways. They appease us, our comfort zone. I'm not going to get that uncomfortable. I'm not going to stretch out that far. Slap in his face. Because we don't want the well of water. We don't really want it. Because are you serving God for his will or so that God will serve you? Because it's dangerous to profess something that you don't possess. And we just professing, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. What you really possess? Fear and doubt and disbelief? Oftentimes we don't know God, but we tell others and even tell ourselves that I'm full of God. Yet I know in the midnight hour, when no one is around, that I don't even believe that God is available and can be trusted, let alone being mine. Relying. For it is not amazing that I seek God. It is amazing that God seeks us. It's the grace and the mercy that he was trying to show the woman, that he keeps trying to show us. Remember, he chased us to get here. Now, we're supposed to pick it up and run after him. We just stopped. We said, oh, you caught me. Oh, game over. <laughs> and we just sat down. And he's like, no, we want to keep going. And he's like, no, I don't want to play with you no more. <laughs> if you don't see him as wonderful, then seeking God will be work. And most of us see it as work. Lord, I got to go praying. I got to go seeking the face of God. Gee whiz, how long this going to take? How long we going to be here? Well, does it take that long to see Jesus? Show up quickly. I'm tired. I need to catch the God that caught me. 
I must chase after him. I must catch him, though not who I want him to be, but who he is, who he says he is. Get all your cliches and all that out your head. Get everything that people told you about God and say, God, I know nothing. Educate me through your spirit. Now, maybe we'll find that some of that stuff is true. And you may find that some of that stuff ain't true. But we need to be educated through Christ. He has the ability. Remember, the spirit guides you to the truth. Let it guide you. Open up your ears so you can hear him. Because he talks. He'll get chatty with you, too. Just keep it going. Too many of us have put our faith in the pastor, in the ministers, in the cliches, and not in God. This is not about man. This is about God. The God from heaven who stepped down to earth and saved our wretched souls. That's who this is about. What the enemy is really after is our faith. It's the faith. Because without it, we can't please him. We get caught up in everything else. If he can take your faith, then he knows you cannot please God. The opposite of faith is fear. So what are you afraid of? That is a sign that you don't have faith. The devil is subtle. He is aware of the lack of trust and faith we have in God. For in essence, the devil is more convinced of the glory of God than we are. We sin because we do not know the love of God. The depth of his amazing, extravagant, never-ending love. Do you really think that his love is extravagant? That he loves you extravagantly, amazingly, never-ending? Knock you out your feet kind of love. Does he have that for you? Just because you're you. We have not been transformed by God because only love has that power. And we have not yet comprehended how much God truly loves us. For Paul says that it is love that constrains me. It wasn't the outer stuff. It wasn't fear. It wasn't what he could do to me. It was the love that keeps me bound to my God and his way. It is his love. If I don't know his love, I am out of control. That's why I'm sinning and acting a fool. That's why I don't care, because I don't know he loves me. Let him love you this weekend. Let him make you uncomfortable. Let him get all deep inside of you and you experience him like never before. Tell yourselves and tell God, I will not walk out of here the same way I came. I will be different. I will be changed. And I ask Jesus to just let us touch him. <laughs> Show us how real he is. Because we humble, we don't know. We are a little scared and we're a little afraid. So Jesus, I'm asking you on behalf of all of us, just let us touch you, because we want you. We want you. Matthew 7 says, ask, and you will be given what you ask for. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Anyone who seeks finds. 
If only you will knock, the door will be open. So Jesus, we're asking, and we're seeking, and we're knocking. So open the door to your presence. Allow us to walk in where we are always welcome. Touch him, you guys. Run after him. Do whatever you have to do, but meet him. For we want only you, Jesus, and that is it.